you seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. I'm Melissa Lee, and this is Fast Money. Tonight's trader lineup, Karen Feiderman, Steve Grasso, James McDonald, and Nadine Turman. Tonight on Fast, another Bitcoin breakdown, the big headline out of China that sent the cryptocurrency collapsing today. How are traders are playing the wild moves? Plus, Cook gets grilled. Apple CEO Tim Cook taking the stand today in a landmark antitrust trial. What he said and what it means for Apple investors. And later, the chart master is sounding the alarm on the U.S. dollar. Why Carter Worth says a big buck breakdown is brewing. He will lay out the charts. But we start off with a monster truck rally. Shares of Ford motoring higher by nearly 7% today, making it the best performing stock in the S&P 500. And Ford's been on fire all week, getting more than 12% after the company unveiled an electric version of America's best-selling vehicle, the F-150 pickup. So did Ford just leave the rest of the EV pack in the dust? Karen, what do you say? I know you like GM. I do. I like GM, but I'm happy to see another, uh, you know, one of the old school automakers, you know, the kind that makes millions of cars and makes money and has free cash flow, that kind of thing. I'm into that. So good for them. I mean, you know, it, it looks very exciting. The F-150, who would have thought that people would get excited about an electric F-150 if you said that two or three years ago? That would seem highly unlikely. But to the extent that they help in the evolution to an all or mostly EV world, I think that's going to help GM as well, certainly valuation wise. I mean, both of them, I think, you know, when you compare them to Tesla, it's I know people say Tesla is not a car company, but it looks a lot like a car company. I mean, that the, the chasm of valuation is so wide. So good for them, although I've chosen to play it with GM, but I think they uh, they will move together and hopefully, you know, have very successful launches in the near future, a little later for uh, some, some new big products from GM next year. Yeah, we're showing forward valuations of the uh, major auto companies, including Tesla, Ford trading a little bit more expensive than GM at this point, but also having outperformed GM both on a year-to-date and a 12-month basis. Steve Grasso, um, where would you mm-hmm. place your bets if you wanted a, a traditional automaker that dealt in the EV space? So a couple of things. So Karen, Karen brought up the most important point. That would be multiple expansion, uh, Melissa. So as you just touched on, Ford is up 52% year-to-date against GM, up 36% year-to-date. I guess the, the latest thing, because this, this is an actionable show, is that Ford is overbought right now. 70% RSI relative strength index against uh, General Motors at about 50, I believe, on an RSI. But uh, to Karen's other point, Five years ago, what was the talk? An aluminum body frame. What did everyone say? No one's going to buy a pickup truck with aluminum body frame. I think that people had the choice when Tesla came on the market uh, of buying a Prius if you wanted an EV, and you, you didn't get a chance to buy style. Now you have Tesla for style. Now you have the rest of the group of buying it for affordability, convenience, efficiency, so I don't know if this is a, a, a deal breaker maker, uh, but I do believe you'll get a multiple expansion. But remember, there's been an awful lot of pull forward for these automobile companies. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't look for the next month, two, six months to outperform. 
Yeah. Um, when it comes to sort of connecting the dots and extrapolating out, Nadine, um, when we when we talk about um, P.E. expansion, when it comes to a Ford, when it comes to a GM, does that imply necessarily that Tesla's uh, valuation is too high, that a little bit of that should go into Ford and G- GM? I mean, how should we how should we think about how this plays out across the sector? I think you have to trade the stocks individually. And I agree wholeheartedly. Basically, this one's overbought. We're looking at a daily trade range of maybe up 3.5%, but down maybe 14.5%. So that is not a downside to upside that we like. And it's also got implied volatility discount of 8%. So we'd be really careful if you're looking to trim. These are the kind of days you trim after getting a big win and a big week. Uh, We like players like Volkswagen. You can see year to date. It's actually beating Ford. Um, so we're looking to other players that might not be as overbought as this one. Uh, but talking about Tesla, you guys got to trade that stock. And so that's a whole different ball of wax. Um, obviously, as Karen said here, you've got some free cash flow and other more fundamental valuation metrics you can use. But that one you trade on a completely different basis. OK, so Tesla, it is about 35 percent give or take, um, from its 52-week high, James McDonald. It unveiled its own um, electrified pickup truck, a very unusual-looking, let's just put it that way, uh, design for their mm. cyber truck. And I'm, I'm, how do you feel? I mean, does an electrified F-150, the most popular pickup truck in America, threaten that bull case for Tesla when it comes to pickup trucks? Absolutely. When I was a child, one of my favorite <laughs> memories was my grandfather's Ford pickup truck. It was red and he called it soldier. And my experience in soldier has lasted a lifetime. My grandchildren are going to be driving around in a truck that's electrified, that doesn't go vroom vroom, that has a satellite guiding it, has laser capabilities and is customized to the experiences of its driver. This is going to happen in America and it's going to take off. Tesla, I look at as a more of a cult phenomena. The cars, the vehicles, the electronics, the founder are all popular. But Ford is a staple, and I think we're late cycle in equities here. I think there's going to be a flight to quality, and Ford is an aim at a 13 PE. Although it may be overbought temporarily based on its past trajectory, its earnings and its revenue were hurt from COVID. I think they enter this space, they compete, and I think Ford is a winner both from flight to quality as well as the cult versus cultural importance of Ford to American families. So, so your kids are going to be driving around an electrified soldier. Not a cyber truck. <laughs> my kids are going to be driving around my cars. My grandchildren, however, grandchildren. are going to be electrified soldiers. Yeah, and I think I think Ford is going to take flight here. I like GM as well in the past, but you know I think that Ford's got two platforms versus one with GM. They've got the commercial vehicles. They've got a Mustang EV that's coming out that will compete with Tesla. And at that point, we'll see head-to-head comparisons. PE will never get up there like Tesla, but it's one-tenth currently, and so it's got a lot of room to run, I believe. Karen, how do we think about the pull-forward effect that Nadine was talking about when it comes to what is priced into these auto stocks? Yeah, you know, we've been talking about peak auto for Mm -hmm. a long, long time, and then we saw peak auto, and then it dipped down a little bit, and then we saw sort of another mini peak. But I think we're in, so multiples are a little bit higher, but remember we're in a, you know, zero for a while interest rate environment, so multiples should be higher. In addition, uh, for GM, both GM and Ford, they're running their business more efficiently, although, you know, last year they did take on a lot of debt during the, the, the real depths of the shutdown. But I'm comfortable owning it here because I think that they don't, for GM in particular, they don't get a lot of value in the market anyway for crews. 
and that EV doesn't get a lot of value, I don't think. But one thing that I think will really be important is actually seeing that when these products are out in the marketplace, will Tesla lose market share? And the whole experience reminds me of Netflix versus new streaming. And would new streaming really hurt Netflix? Well, Netflix has survived and done just fine, but there has been a lot of room for new streaming. Like, right, we see Disney, we see HBO Max. There's a lot of room. And they have, they're not getting credit yet. So G, I happen to like GM, but I think they'll, I, I, they'll move together. I want to stay long and see how this plays out for at least a year. So I'm sorry I'm being obtuse about this, but in that analogy, Netflix is Tesla or, and, and the competition that's coming is GM and Ford and the like? Yes, because, because they, Netflix was the first mover, right, right, for streaming. And everyone had Netflix. So Tesla, uh, you know, I guess everyone who has Tesla in their portfolio, mm-hmm. it's the first mover in EV. And was there room for others? Yes, there's room for others. And Disney traded up a lot on their streaming, right? So I think that the valuation anyway for GM and Ford, if they're successful in, with their EV products and gain market share, they'll be upside. There, there's room for others when they're strong players, when they've got a balance sheet that can compete. Steve Grossler, but yesterday we had a very interesting call that said because of the strength or, or the, the, what looks like the strength of the Ford F-150 or how strong it will be in the marketplace, that Lordstown is going to go to a buck. So in some respects, for some players, this is sort of a, a game over, uh, perhaps. And I'm wondering, as you look out across what had been a very hot EV sectors, particularly amongst SPACs, where you think game might be over for some? Oh, yeah. I mean, th- this is, when you look at this speculative SPAC market, a lot of those names had no earnings. And when you have the chance to, in this environment where we always talk about whether it's growth or whether it's value, I think the the needle definitely falls in the value camp. And if you're falling in the value camp, all of those SPACs that had no earnings are going to fall off a cliff. So if you're looking at a Ford, we all hope the re-rating happens for companies like GM and for Ford. But it hasn't happened in quite some time. So I don't know if the EV market flips the switch for these guys Mm -hmm. or not. But this is a, definitely a tailwind for companies that have not had one, other than the pandemic pull forward of, of getting off mass trans and buying cars. This is another tailwind. All right. Once upon a time, um, there was a, a pickup truck indicator when it came to the housing market. The strength of the pickup truck market and demand for pickup trucks in particular was some sort of barometer for um, demand in the housing market. And interestingly, we have a very hot, hot, hot housing market. So... James, I'll say, would you rather to you, a car maker, an automaker, or a housing stock? It's a great question. I think that there's going to be a pickup in the auto space, given the incomes have been supplemented with the Paycheck Protection Program and the stimulus, and there's been a pent-up demand for getting out on the road. I think that people are going to be driving more than doing home improvement here with the prices of houses probably peaking here. Uh, in that cycle. And so I would go to the automotive segment if I had to bet. All right. Coming up, Cook gets grilled. The Apple CEO taking the stand today as star witness in a high stakes antitrust lawsuit. We'll bring you all the details. Plus another crypto crash. Bitcoin plunging today as China cracks down again. How our traders are playing this plunge. All that and much more when Fast Money returns. 
electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Welcome back to Fast Money. Apple CEO Tim Cook taking the stand today in a high-stakes antitrust lawsuit brought on by video game maker Epic. Let's get to Josh Lipton with all the details. Josh. So, Melissa, as Tim Cook left the courthouse, he was asked about this trial. Take a listen. Mr. Cook, how do you feel your testimony went today? How confident are you that Apple will win this? Now, in court, Tim Cook explaining that the company's focus is on the user, that the App Store has been an economic miracle, in his words, and that competition both in mobile devices and mobile operating systems is fierce. The Epic lawyers pressed Cook on the App Store's profitability. Cook explaining in court that Apple does not break out profit and loss statements for each business unit. But maybe the most interesting part of the day came at the very end. That's when the judge peppered Cook with questions. For example, she questioned whether Apple really did cut store fees by half to 15 percent for some developers because of covid and worries about small businesses or was it actually really because of pressure from lawsuits and regulators investors paying attention to this fight because if apple loses or is forced to make certain concessions that could impact app store growth going forward now apple doesn't break out the app store but analysts estimate that it does represent about 30 percent of total services revenue closing arguments scheduled for monday judge hopes to have a decision by May. Mid-August. Melissa, back to you. How did Cook answer the judge to that question? Well, the, the, uh, basically, Cook said, listen, that was not top of mind. He stuck with this idea that they, they launched that 15 percent program because um, of worries about COVID, worries about how small businesses were small businesses were performing. At the end of the day, you know, Melissa, this is an antitrust case. So really, Epic is going to win here if it can convince the judge that Apple does have monopoly on its app store. And then, in fact, Apple's abusing that market power uh, by forcing Epic to use Apple's payment system. It was interesting. If you talk to antitrust lawyers, they'll say it's going to be tough. Antitrust cases are hard to, for plaintiffs to win in par- part because the burden of proof is on the plaintiff, which in this case, of course, is Epic. Right. Josh, thank you. Josh Lipton. Meantime, media titan Barry Diller blasted Apple earlier today over its App Store fears. fees. Here's what he said on Squawk Box. Overcharged in a disgusting manner. I mean, you know, if you go through, let's call it the equivalent of an App Store credit card, uh, the transmission cost is about 2%. Here, App, Apple says, oh, no, 30%. 30%. I mean, it's criminal. Well, it's not criminal. Let me ask you this, though. It will be criminal. (laughs) Meantime, Snap CEO Evan Spiegel telling CNBC today that he is happy to pay the 30 percent fee because without Apple, his company would not exist. You can certainly see both sides of this. Karen, where do you stand, particularly somebody who owns Apple? Yeah, as an Apple shareholder, I guess I stand uh, a lot closer to the Snap side of it. You know, I don't think that the credit card transaction analogy is exactly the same. I think um, credit cards are a completely commodity business, mm-hmm. and there's not an Apple presents something very different. <clears throat> but I also I love Barry Diller. I love how candid he is. I love that he'll say anything. 
But he did also say, I mean, Match, our little company paid $500 million to Apple. I'm not so sure that's such a little company if they can afford to pay $500 million to Apple. So I'm not really crying for them. He's done an extraordinary job. All that having been said, though, I don't know when we're going to get clarity on this, because we heard from, from Josh that mid-August, rather, for a decision. But we've seen Apple uh, and whoever suing Apple at the time settle many times before. That could happen, and maybe it's somewhere in the middle. It wouldn't be shocking to me, right? We saw it with Qualcomm. We've seen it before. So um, I, don't know if, I don't know what's priced into the stock, though. Right. Right. I don't know if any discount is priced in. So that would be bad. I mean, well, let's say the worst case scenario, and I don't know if this would be the worst case. I'm sure there are worse. But let's say 15 percent became across the board. The fact of the matter is we, we don't know, as Tim Cook said, we don't know the breakout of how much money Apple makes from, this per, from the fees it charges um, apps to be in its app store, Nadine. So how do you start factoring that in, in your view? You know, I, I can't believe that the CFO doesn't know what it is. It's just that they don't break it out, right? That's, right. I think, the, the key item here. But I guarantee you they know exactly what it is. Um, but it's probably a large number, and therefore they don't want to report it. So um, you have to believe that this is a risk. And the thing I would be most concerned about, it's those in-game payment systems being required to run through them. That's, I think, the real key issue here. I don't think it's about choosing a number like 30% or 15% or 20%. It's that it violated its own um, agreement on what could happen. And I think it does provide some potential liability. So I would be nervous as an owner. I don't think it's completely baked in. Um, and we're looking at right now, it's already uh, has more downside than upside. So uh, if you're looking to trim or looking to hedge, <laughs> I, would, I would maybe start doing that before the, you find out the final answer when the envelope gets opened. Yeah. Grasso, where do you stand? I mean, this is a stock that's already had difficulty even without this epic trial just because of the, the context, uh, the backdrop of the markets right now. Yes, and, and, but, but the backdrop of the markets is the value growth, and, and Apple is, is in both camps. It is growth at an affordable price. It is value. And it's a very simple answer. Uh, if you have a problem with it, then you shouldn't be on the App Store. It's their, it's their store. They have control over it. This is a nonsensical argument. Uh, services is above $50 billion right now for Apple. That machine will continue to grow and and Barry Diller all due respect I'm sure Tim Cook could comment on all of his businesses and all of his margins and what was criminal and wasn't what wasn't criminal it's very simple it's their store they can charge it if you can't afford to pay it go or if you think else. it's egregious don't do it go somewhere else all right coming up time to buy in bulk the options action team is making a Costco run ahead of earnings we'll break down that trade but first a big headline out of China sending crypto collapsing again today. We'll tell you how our traders are playing the wild moves. Yeah, you see that there. It's down 16% right now. Don't go anywhere. Fast Money's back in two. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got a Bitcoin alert. The cryptocurrency crashing again right now as China calls for tighter regulation around mining and trading. The headline taking down the rest of the crypto complex. Bitcoin is now down more than 20% since Monday, we also got the Biden administration um, in one of its proposals saying that if uh, if Bitcoin is used in a transaction that's greater than ten thousand dollars worth, then it has to be reported to the IRS, which would make it difficult for Bitcoin to be used for larger transactions. James, I'm just wondering, I mean, it's been just an absolutely crazy week for cryptocurrency. <laughs> what do you make of this ride? I think there's always an inverse to an amazing story. Obviously, the run up in Bitcoin in the crypto space from the beginning of the year, the beginning of last year, any 
previous point in time. The run-up was crazy and amazing. Uh, for this space, for investors, there's so many people who are intrigued about this cryptocurrency phenomena in terms of investing that have never invested it before, that may be unsophisticated about risks. I still push that this should be an indexed investment for people. BITQ, Bitwise, has an index fund. And in that period of time, since crypto broke down, the last time Bitcoin was at $50, um, they've down 30% from that time. An indexed approach is only down 14% during that time. I'd like to see risk managed and spread across this platform. It could come down a whole lot more. And so for people who are just starting to get invested in this space, do it in a diversified way. I get the diversified way, and I think that is the smart way to go for most investing, period, um, Nadine. But you take a look at some of the other Bitcoin-related plays, like a Coinbase. It's been absolutely ugly as well. So how do you sort of view this space, considering it's been around for a long time now, and we're still riding this volatility? You're right. I mean, we talked about this last time, and Karen had made a point about you know putting it away our firm trades it, though. So we just think of it as just another asset. We can't fall in love with it. We have to trade it. Right now, it's broken our short-term and intermediate-term lines. We're looking at about 44% down that you could get versus a 17% up. Um, so we're just waiting here to see what happens. But I think more important, Mel, is what China's doing. They don't want the dollar to be the reserve currency, but they don't want Bitcoin to sneak in there and try to take some of the space. They want their own digital coin, their digital currency to be important in the world. So, you know, we'd written about that for our investors last year, that and creating its own Internet backbone. So this is not going away. You're going to keep seeing these headlines. It's an important fact. OK, Bitcoin right now, 35,289, down 12 percent. And of course, equity markets are closed, but Bitcoin does not close. So it could be a wild weekend as well. <laughs> All right. What better way to wrap up the week than a big congratulation to one of our own all star producer Bree Doyle and her family welcoming their newest member, Sullivan Patrick Doyle. Both mother and son are doing great. Congrats to Bree and welcome to the Fast Family, baby Sully was so adorable. <laughs> Time for the final trade. Let's go around the horn. Karen. Uh, well, congratulations to Bree. That's great. Uh, for me, uh, reopen trade MSG Entertainment. James. Follow the leader built tough in a market that's getting choppy, Ford Motor Company. Nadine. We're looking at BHP. Keep long of inflation. So go for metals and mining. Steve Grasso. Congratulations, Bree. That is some name. I had no idea she was Italian, Melissa. That's some great name for an Italian baby. That's awesome. Uh, Sonos, my final trade. It's finally getting its sea legs back, starting its march back to $45. Sonos. That does it for us. Don't go anywhere. Options Action is up right after this. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.